Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the reality that we have today that, uh, Lord, you sent, you sent your Son. And today as we assemble together as your people, first of all, we want to give you glory. We want to thank you for your plan to return us to a relationship with you that, Lord, we so desperately need. We want to celebrate you in us. And Father, as you've stepped down, we recognize this morning that you are altogether worthy of our praise. Father, we want to come into your presence this morning as your people. And Father, we want to adore you because you are our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church family, good to be with you this morning and uh, enjoy another one of our Advent Sundays. And little Evan, where I, I, I appreciate you getting to read that passage. And uh, Lord, be honored as we hear that message that uh, he wants to share with us. Um, first of all, just some details. Good old Jordan lets you know. Now, I saw that note in the bulletin about uh, between services, and I thought, hey, that's great. I know there's one service, so you're going to cut my message in half, and we'll celebrate for a while, and we'll go back to the back half of it. So, shucks, we don't get to do that. But uh, I want you to know that, well, we're still here. We've got uh, this week, next week, then the two uh, December services, and then that first installation in January. Uh, it has been a sweet time to be with you all. And uh, January the 6th, put that on your calendar. We're going to do one church. We're not going to do this thing twice. But on that Sunday, we're all going to be together to install, to put uh, responsibility on your pastor, on Garen. And uh, well, I'm just looking forward to that. And so... Just come prepared on January the 6th. There's going to be a number of us a part of that day. It's going to be a special day, so get that on your calendar. Well, this morning, our second Sunday of Advent, and if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke the next two Sundays, and just thinking about what Advent is. You know, last week, we were reminded of what we celebrate with this wreath, these four candles, is we're remembering His coming. And so last week, as I talked about hope, we listened to Peter, a man who uh, Jesus called to Himself as a fisherman and grew him up, and where instead of just being optimistic, Peter wanted us to recognize and realize the reality of all God's fulfilled promises where we look back in time to have hope to look forward into the future. Well, today and next Sunday, I want to go to a Gentile. Now, I think it's interesting we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And with Luke, that one is written by someone that doesn't have a Jewish background. I mean, Luke uh, comes to Jerusalem, and I believe that what we're seeing in the book of Luke is a lot of interview. Now, Luke's a doctor, was a doctor. Luke had studied. He knew how to, he knew how to learn. He knew how to listen. Imagine a doctor. You've got to be able to listen to people to try to prescribe or do what doctors do. And so that skill that Luke has, and then I believe as Luke has listened to the life of Jesus while traveling with Paul all over with present-day Turkey, over into Italy, 
And now he's come to Jerusalem. The guy just can't wait. I think what we get in the book of Luke is we get his excitement of hearing first-hand testimony. Luke interviews Mary uh, because we get the, the fullest, the, the richest of the Christmas stories in the book of Luke. And I think it's all what he listened to what they were telling him, and he wrote it down. And so this week, as we, I want to focus on peace. Next week, as I want to focus on joy, I want Luke to speak to our hearts. And in the last Sunday, the, right before Christmas Eve, I want to go to John, and we're going to talk about the gift that God has given us. And so if you all would stand, instead of we all, I'm going to read this one over us. It's Luke chapter 2. It's part of the Christmas story we're used to, but Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, down through verse 12 for our consideration today. So here's what Luke recorded for us. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that your intention is for us to hear your message. Father, we thank you for what's recorded for us, and I pray this morning that you would have unusual freedom here as we've come together to worship you. Father, speak to our hearts about your message to a lost world. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. As I started, just kind of giving an overview of Luke there's two things that I want us to consider today. First of all, that God has a message and He wants to send messengers to get that message out. And then secondly, I want us to just listen to what is it that the message that God's got for us. And so as we start right here in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, we get to meet the messenger. Luke 2.9 says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, I don't know about you. My guess is there's nobody in this room that's seen an angel. I don't think I've seen one. We know that later in the New Testament, Peter reminds us, you could entertain an angel and not know it. But uh, angels are interesting critters. I don't know. There's probably many of you here today were here for our mission conference. And it was so helpful for me to listen to our mission speaker talk about these higher creatures that long to look into what God's up to in us. Angels were created before we were. Angels were created before the foundation of the earth was laid. They were in fellowship. They see God face to face. They are, they're not eternal because they were created. 
but they're still around. And so it's so interesting to me that Luke gets happy about these guys because he talks about angels three times in the first two chapters of the book of Luke. So the first one goes back a year and a half. So here we are celebrating Christmas. We're only two and a half weeks away. You know, our little little world where, you know, we've got all the media and all the excitement. And I don't know about you, but we've already started Christmas events. But you know, for God, it was a year and a half back. He's got a long-term plan. And so if you look in the book of Luke chapter 1, we find the first evidence or the first event of God using a messenger. Luke 1.11. It's the story of Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist. And Zechariah is a priest. Now, they're a little different than preachers. Priests were in groups, and they would come into Jerusalem to serve in the temple on a weekly, a regular basis. And then when their period was done, they'd go back, and they were either farmers or they, they did their other life. And so Zechariah came in, and the story about Zechariah is when you go into the Holy of Holy, you go into the temple, and you burn incense, you're in there all by yourself. And you're lighting incense, which is a picture of the prayers of the people of God going up to God. And Zechariah, they rolled the dice, and it was Zechariah's day to go in. And everybody else is on the outside waiting for, for him to go in and do the business of lighting the incense on the altar of incense and let see that going up before the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, starting verse 5, tells a story. But while he's in there, starting verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense while he's in there. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. All three times as we're going to look at angels today, messengers. That's what an angel is. He's a created being that sees God, and they come with a message from God to man. And every time something happens when one of these show up, people get afraid. And so we have Zechariah. We, we meet the first example. It's a year and a half before Christmas. And that angel shows up inside the uh, temple area where Zachariah is there by himself, and I'll come back to his message in a bit, but an angel shows up with a message. That's the first one. Second one we had right here as we did the candle this morning. It's in chapter 128, and that's where in the sixth month the angel Gabriel, again, now it's interesting that Gabriel is in verse 19, We'll come back and talk a little bit about who this Gabriel is, but in verse 28, that sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee, no longer Jerusalem, which is in the south. That's where an angel showed up to talk to Zechariah. Now we're up in Galilee in the north. And he's talking to a virgin who's engaged or betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
and the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his saying. Now you all remember there's a word that's only used two times in the New Testament. I just said, I didn't say it in Greek. Wish I could do that whole sentence in Greek. It's that word, O favored one. Remember in the book of Ephesians where Paul writes to us those seven rocket verbs that for seven weeks I went over that define God's commitment to us, God's relationship that he wants with us. And I used in English, drenched, that he drenches us with his grace. This is the only other place we find this word, and it's an angel word. And as that angel's talking to Mary, he says, oh, Mary, you drenched person, you favored one, you woman that God knows of, God has a special plan for your life. And as she listened to him, she's greatly troubled in her heart. Then the third place where we see angels, see these messengers, is in chapter 2. I've already read it, but in 2.9, the shepherds are in the same region there. They're keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were so afraid. Three times. Two chapters. Luke, like I say, I think Luke, Luke's excited about this. These are realities. These really did happen. And Luke wants us to know that God has got messengers that he wants to communicate his message to those people and then from them on out to the rest of the world. God's got a message. And so first of all, just who are the messengers? I think the fact that we're so caught up in movies that, you know, right now the Marvel movies, there's all of that stuff that's going on. But, you know, in in reality, uh, when these guys show up, when Gabriel is inside that temple area, And let's go back into chapter 1 where we're talking about fear. What happens when angels speak? People get afraid. Verse 18, Zechariah says to that angel, he says, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And look at verse 19. And the angel answered him, Friend, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you're going to be silent. And you're going to be unable to speak until the day these things take place. I think there's a good reason to be afraid of an angel. Because as... Zachariah's in there all by himself. He went in talking. He has an experience with one of God's messengers that brought a message. That Remember, that messengers always start with the fact they say, don't be afraid. Go to the book of Revelation. The thing happened. John sees angels and John's down on his, 
on his stomach. He's in front of them. And they always say, look, don't be afraid of us. So there's something about seeing one of them that overpowers us. But there's a good reason that they do that. Because with a message from God, you don't take that lightly. You know, I thought it was interesting. You know, the angel could have said, oh, come on now, Zachariah, I know you're old. We know that. We know who you are. Now, just be encouraged. God wants you to have a son. But that's not the way he talked to him. You see, he starts by defining reality. He said, listen, friend, I am Gabriel. You don't need to know what that means. You just need to know that I am the one who stands in the presence of God. And I've got a message from him. And that message is real. You are going to have a child. And that child is going to make the way ready for the Lord. As God was giving that message through Gabriel, he said, I want you to prepare a people for the coming of his Holy One. And you're going to be the father of that man. And so God's message is sometimes, not sometimes, every time need to be taken with the kind of seriousness that Gabriel had in Zechariah's presence right there in the temple. God has messengers. And this morning I want us to take what that one messenger, Gabriel, came and said to the shepherds. So let's go to chapter 2, back to where I started reading. Not only do we have his messengers... We've got his message. In 2.10, after the angels show up, the message is, don't be afraid. Now, church, it's a little hard for me to communicate. I've tried to do it by remembering what's been recorded. When people see, see angels, they get afraid. Then when the angel spoke to Zechariah, you know, I don't think uh, these, these shepherd boys, they don't know anything about that. That's a story they haven't heard. You know, shepherd, in doing, getting ready for this message, I hadn't thought about who shepherds are. You know what one of the commentators says a shepherd is in their culture back then? It's the sacker at Dillon's. It's the grocery sacker. It's about that kind of a job. I mean, it's, it's super entry level into the world. Now, there could be some grocery sackers here, and I'm really glad you're doing that job. It's a good job, but it's a simple job that people can do. So here are these shepherds out there in the field in the middle of the night doing their business, watching over their sheep, and appears to them an angel. And whatever God's glory looks like, the presence of an angel and then God's glory around them. You know, the pictures are, it's light. I would guess God, I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet. But whatever God's glory looks like, it caught their attention and it scared them. And so the first message that God has for all of us in this room today is, listen, don't be afraid of what I'm up to. It could look bad. It could feel bad to you. And good old Zechariah, once they learned that story, that for six months, Zechariah, or no, nine months, sorry, I know how long it is, it's nine months from when you're told you're going to have a little one, and you have one, nine months the guy can't talk. There ought to be a reason to be afraid of him. 
And so the first message that God wants us to know is don't be afraid of me. I love you, but you've got to know what's on my heart. And so it starts with let's don't be afraid. Secondly, his message goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 10, I bring you good news of great joy. Now here's where I think listening to angels, we need to kind of perk up our ears. Because in today's world, there's going to be plenty of people that tell us that what we believe and what we want to worship is not good news. That God's message to a lost world, there are going to be plenty of people that are going to try to define that message as bad news. That we're bad news people. And so we got a choice. I just want to ask you, <laughs> who you want to listen to? Now, if God sent a messenger who came to tell us that his intention is good news of great joy, and that's not your experience today, I just want to ask you, are you willing to look at him? Are you willing to, to say, God, would you show me what's so good about your news that is supposed to bring joy into my life? This morning as I've come through these doors here, I don't feel very joyful. Father, there's enough going on in my life right now that I feel under the load. There's enough going on in my life right now that I feel misunderstood at such a level that I don't see a way out of it. But I want to tell us as a church family that that message that was on that hill said that night is the same message. That what we're celebrating this Christmas is good news of great joy. And finally, it's for all people. From before the foundation of when the earth was laid. I don't know how many times I've said that up here on this stage. The beginning of time, before the foundation of the world. God knew that we as men, women, we as mankind would turn away from him. And yet, through creation, Adam and Eve, the fall, and everything that proceeded from that day until this day, on that mountainside in the middle of the night with a bunch of shepherds, and that message that he wants to bring us is, first of all, don't be afraid of this. We're bringing you good news that's great joy, and by the way, this is no long for just the Jewish people. You shepherds are out here who you are. I want you to know that this news is for every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Now, I love the fact that our God loves shepherds. You know, there's a lot of people he could have talked to. He could have sent Gabriel. He's already done it. He sent Gabriel into that temple into a priest who was in there burning all incense before the Lord. He could have sent that shepherd to the Roman headquarters. He could have been to Italy. He could have been in Rome. He could have been right there in Jerusalem at the headquarters. He could have gone to the, to the schools, the training school, where I believe Paul was already learning. Paul's alive on this day. Paul is the number one student 
But who'd God choose? God chose a bunch of shepherds. Guys that are out there on the hillside, no, in fact, they're unclean. A shepherd can't go into the temple because he's unclean to be there. And so who does God want to communicate to? Ordinary people. And he's got a message that's going to transform earth, and he starts it right there on that hillside on that night. Don't be afraid. God's got a message for every man, every woman, every child on earth that is good news. And it's going to bring great joy. And it's for all of us. And then he goes on to say what that good news is. That there's a Savior who's been born tonight. Right there in the city of David. In that town of Bethlehem. The house of bread. And that baby's been born and there's going to be a sign. There could be other babies in town. You go into that town and you find that baby. He's wrapped up in swaddling or common rags. You're going to find him wrapped up and you're going to find him in a manger. That's the plan of God. That's the news. That's going to be of great joy for all people. And a bunch of shepherds are out there on the hills. And they hear that news And then something happens. What happens is, one angel's been talking. Gabriel's the messenger. But once those words are out of that angel's mouth, what happens is all the angels, all the angels of heaven, I hope, were there. A great multitude of angels come out. And they're seen, and what are they, they? They can't keep it in. We think Luke's excited about telling us what he learned and what he heard when he interviewed Mary. Maybe Luke got to interview the shepherds and got to talk to those dudes. But the happiest people in this whole story are the angels, because once Gabriel says it, that tonight is the night, that since before the fa- we've been watching this, you people, before the foundation of the earth was laid. We knew that God had a plan, and that plan started a long time ago. And that plan is that for night, tonight, His choice one is born. He's come to you. And we are so happy, we can't keep it in. And so the whole crowd shows up, and they start to sing. And they are, now there you get the joy. They are happy about the message that Gabriel has just said. And they, they start singing now. It sounds like a poem. It's great Christmas story stuff. But what they say, and suddenly there was with that angel in verse 13, a multitude of that heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. The message is that God has a plan for broken humanity. And that plan is to send his son. And the story that's going to end right there with that cross that's now empty today. Because Jesus was crucified on that cross. He was buried. And he did come back from the dead to prove to us that God is a forgiving God. There is no sin in this room that he can't forgive. He knows us. And he loves us. And he's calling us to himself. 
But those angels say that this message is, first of all, a message of glory to him. It reveals a loving father's heart. That's what glory to God. God, you're showing us who you are. And on earth, peace among those with whom he's well pleased. I hope I can communicate what this word means. Because in English, the word peace doesn't hold it together. You got to have a, we need the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is shalom. The message that I want us to capture tonight, in the next few minutes, or today, not tonight. It was that night they were saying it, sorry. I'm living back there. Capture this morning is that God wants to bring us, he not only wants to, he has done it. He is bringing us shalom to all of mankind. Well, we got to understand what that word means. Because it means a whole lot more than our English word peace. If I say peace, I mean, I've heard this word since I was a little boy. You know, peace on earth, peace, peace. You know, we're going to have peace here at Christmas time. I've heard back during the Vietnam War, I was in high school. I was getting my draft number. I knew I was going to possibly have to go to Vietnam. And I remember us talking about, let's pray for peace. And yes, peace is the absence of conflict, the absence of war. But that's not what this word means. Shalom is a whole lot more than just no fighting. So let's kind of go back and look at it. In the book of Job, chapter 5, uh, Job 5, Job 5, 24. Here's what Job says. I've got shalom over my tents. He's talking about his sheep. Now what in the world? Sheep, maybe they were fighting, maybe saying it. No, here's what it means. He looks out over his, his flock and he says they're complete. I've got wholeness. I've got all that I need right now. That what I used to have was incomplete and what I have now is complete. My tents are blessed with God's peace. Then we have the prophets use this word all the time. It starts with Joshua. You've heard the concept of peace offerings. Well, I did a little study on that to understand what peace offerings are. It's people who are thankful for renewed and rebuilt and restored life. It's much, much more than no fighting. It's after the fighting stops, then we realize that God and His love for us is bringing something to restore us, something we didn't have. And so, a peace offering starts with an interesting thing. Peace offerings are presented to the Lord on altars with rocks that have never been struck by a hammer. The guys go out and they look for rocks that are complete, that fit. And they find something that fits and it's complete and it's restored into itself and they build them up in a nice altar. Nothing struck those rocks. And then they burn on that altar their offering of saying, thank you, God, that you bring our lives back into wholeness and completeness. Without you, we're incomplete. Without you, we don't have the whole life that you want us to have. That's the peace offering. It starts with Joshua. It goes all the way through Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah talks about the same thing about let's offer thanks to God that he's brought us something that we're no longer in conflict with him, but more than no conflict, it's the wholeness, the completeness, the need for our restoration that he's bringing that to us, that we get, we get to experience all that God had planned for your life. There was a sentence back at Campus Crusade, way back when we were in college a few years ago, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, guess what? I told you last week about our friend, Ken. God had a wonderful plan to call Ken to work with the Somali people. But part of that plan was that a sophomore in high school was going to die. God has a wonderful plan. People say, some of these plans aren't very good. But God's plan is to bring a wholeness to us that we can find nowhere else other than a relationship with Him. And that wholeness is called shalom. And that's why as the Jewish people, they use that word, that language, Hebrew, and they say that word, they want to offer shalom on your house. They want to offer shalom on your family. They want to offer shalom on the world. You see, that got said on that hillside that night. That that message that God has for us is a message, first of all, don't be afraid of it. It is good news. And it is going to be for great joy. And church family, I just want to say, let's look around the world we live in today. I mean, folks, it's day by day. I feel that not only do we have conflict, but we continue to tear ourselves apart. And what God wants to do, and he says, my plan is I'm bringing you not only an absence of conflict, I'm going to bring you something that you don't have today. I'm going to restore back the way that I created it to be. Not only in peace, we're not fighting one another, but we have a wholeness and a completeness of His plan. The place that's so encouraging to read of this is in Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, this term is going to be used again. But here's the prophecy about this night where the angels came and talked to the shepherds. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, a Mighty God, an Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Now, church family, as we celebrate Christmas, let's don't forget what happened on that hillside. Bunch of, I mean, these guys are at the bottom of the scale. And that's where God wants to start. He's going to work with any of us, the common people. He brought a message to those shepherds. And he said, as Gabriel said, I've got good news for you. And that good news is going to be, bring great joy to your lives. And I want you to know it's not just for you folks. This is for every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. That we have peace. 
and everlasting. We've got a, we now have a ruler, and that ruler is bringing peace forever. Do you realize how good it's going to be once we step into eternity and just discover the ongoing restoration, the ongoing relationship, the ongoing depth of what God has planned for us to live together in harmony? We can't taste it now. We have to see it by faith. But if we got a messenger, and that messenger says, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and this is what I have to say today. There is good news. And that good news will bring you great joy. And that good news that brings great joy is for all of you. So I want to ask, do you believe the angel? In closing, I want to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, 25 and 27. You know, it would be interesting that this little baby who was born on that night, he's going to talk about the same thing. He's going to talk about peace. He's going to talk about the restoration of life. He's going to talk about wholeness that he gives. And here's what he says to the disciples. Where we're only hours away from the crucifixion. John 14 is part of what we call the upper room discourse or the upper room where he's just talking to the 11. Judas is already gone. And John 14, 25 to 27, here's what Jesus says. These things I've spoken to you while I was still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all I've said to you. Peace. That word peace, more than no conflict, a restoration, a, a, re, a renewal, a rebuilding of what we need to be, that's what I leave with you. And that peace that I've got, I give to you. Not that world, not the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I want to ask you, if the angel said it, that we've got, not only do we have hope, we can have a peace, a renewal, a rebuilding of all that God wants us to be and experience in relationships with one another. That is the free gift that was given. That gift is possible only because of Christ giving himself for us and taking the sin of every one of us upon himself and then forgiving us of that sin, and then giving us the opportunity to live a holy and right life with God and with one another. This Christmas season, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you. As you hear that word peace, don't think absence of war. Think wholeness of life. And I would just ask all of us to say, this year, Lord, help me see where you're doing that and help me give peace offerings, thanksgiving for what you've done already. Because as I've gotten to know you as a church family, guess what? I see the fingerprints of God all over people in this room. He's at work, but he's not done. He's got plans that still are going to bring glory to him. 
And will you just tell him, I want to I continue. I want to walk with you. Some of you may not have started that journey. I want to invite you to do that. And if you've got questions about, okay, what in the world are you talking about? I'd like to ask you, just come. I'm, I'm around. I'll be down here in the front for a little bit. I'll go get a cup of coffee. But if any of you would like more on this, let me know. There's folks here in town. I'd love to talk to you because there is a message. There are messengers who come, but they brought us a message. And that message is, don't be afraid. God's got good news of great joy, and it's for you. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you. Father, we as your people, we thank you that you've chosen to speak to us. Father, we can't invent this. We thank you for messengers that come. And for a man named Luke, who was so captivated to understand the way that you communicate with people, that he's given us this event. And Father, today we want to ask you to continue to remind us of the goodness we have because of you sending your Son. And Father, that this Christmas would be special. We want to give you our hearts. We want you to know that we want to learn more and more of you. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Can you all stand? A benediction today is out of the book of Romans. As we end our time together, here's what Paul would say to us. He'd say, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound. Go be the church.